Jim Ryan, the CEO of Flexera, is my guest today. Jim has moved up in his career with intentionality and a great deal of self-awareness. And in this episode, he shares with us what it takes personally and professionally to step 100% into that next promotion and that next level of responsibility. I'm glad you're here to learn from Jim's experience and candid sharing. Welcome to the Courage of a Leader podcast. This is where you hear real-life stories of top leaders achieving extraordinary results, and you get practical advice and techniques you can immediately apply for your own success. This is where you will get inspired and take bold, courageous action. I am so glad you can join us. I'm your host, Amy Riley. Now, are you ready to step into the full power of your leadership and achieve the results you care about most? Let's ignite the courage of a leader. Jim, I talk with leaders all the time about the challenges when they're transitioning into a new level of responsibility. Maybe it's initially stepping into a leadership role. Maybe it's stepping into a regional, right? Or now I'm now I'm, I'm running this part of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a shift that takes place in our own personal capabilities as leaders. What advice would you give to leaders who are stepping up in their responsibility? Uh, I- We see this all the time when when we go through this, Amy, at Flexera. And I think like like anything that you embark on in your personal or professional life, I think you've got to really step back and first of all, reflect and and reflect on what is your ultimate picture of success. I'm, I'm a big believer in visualization. And, you know, Unfortunately, far too many times, a lot of people that are candidates for promotion into a management or a leadership position at a variety of different levels, they're action-oriented and they're problem solvers. And their knee-jerk reaction is to want to dive into the fire and start fixing things. And that's admirable. Uh, But I would encourage everybody to step back and and really reflect upon what is it that they want to be? What is that future and that reality that they aspire to be their future? And uh, it's only after you get a clear picture of success in your own mind as to what you're trying to accomplish and the ways that you're going to do that by leading other people, I think that you can then start to put together the discrete goals, objectives, action plans, whatever you do to motivate yourself to go and make that picture of success a reality. Yeah, well said. That slow down to be able to speed up. Because I see exactly what you were speaking to. I got to get in action. There's all these things I can do. How quickly can I do them? Instead of really visualizing what what do you see possible? What impact do you want to have in this role you're in now? That's right. And I, and I don't think many people oftentimes give themselves permission to just just take that time. And, and then what will invariably happen, to quote the great Mike Tyson, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> 
um, you know, that picture of success and how you're going to do that and, and all the great things that you intend to do, you'll be thrown a variety of different curveballs because human beings mean what they are, are unpredictable. Sometimes they're illogical. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're highly illogical and, and your, your, your visions of grandeur and that people are just going to be inspired by you 24 seven, you know, you come back down to reality and you've got to continually re, you know, retool. How are you going to do that? Uh, and yeah. I think one of the common mistakes that misconceptions maybe that the people make is if you're leading a team of eight people, it's not a one size fits all management philosophy or leadership philosophy. There's eight individuals and each and every one of them, just like our children are going to require slightly different parenting and or leadership uh, techniques. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You got to figure out what they need. And I think we're also, as we're stepping into the next level of leadership, who are we as a leader at that, at that level? Right? We might be taking the place of someone who did a great job or not. There can be a variety of circumstances. But even if we're taking the place of someone who did a great job, we're not going to do it that exact same way. We've got to figure out how our style, our strengths are going to work in that new role. Yes. And, you know, that, that happened to me. So I, I replaced yeah. a highly successful and super effective CEO. He's a good friend of mine to this day, Mark Bischoff. And... You know, Mark and I and, and a variety of other, the senior leadership team did a fantastic job in growing Flexera from 2008 until Mark retired, I guess it was in 2016 or so. Um, and, and I think what, what people need to understand, I, I had a plan, I had a picture of success. I knew how I was different from Mark and the way that I interact with people mm. and how I operated or how I rolled to quote Flexera. Um, but a lot of people didn't know me. Uh, and a lot of people didn't uh, necessarily give me the chance on, on the front to prove how I was different. They just assumed that I was just like Mark and the way Mark made decisions, the way Mark did things and the way mm -hmm. things in general was not really going to change. Yeah, there was a new CEO in town, but uh, things are just going to remain the same. And of course, but you're, never... you were an internal candidate, right? So you're from Flexera. So you're just going to be like Mark. That's right. It'd yeah. be like Mark. And, um, you know, I think, I think you just don't always get the opportunity to define that for yourselves. I think one of the, one of the big challenges that I faced, I came up through the sales ranks, made my way into general management. I was Mark's right-hand person for many years as the chief operating officer. Mm -hmm. I, when I took over and uh, was Mark's successor, a lot of the engineers, for example, said, geez, you know, Jim's a sales guy. Jim doesn't get us. And I kept saying, well, that just doesn't make any sense. Jim's been here 18 years. You know me. I'm way more than a sales guy. I was, I was a general manager for seven years running EMEA. Mm -hmm. People develop different stereotypes and impressions on, on how, how you are as an individual. And you got to understand, it's not just a change for yourself looking, looking into the mirror. You're yeah. in a different role and capacity. It's a change for the hundreds or thousands of people that are now ultimately uh, reporting to you in some way. Yes, we will talk more about that. I want to tell everybody today, my guest is Jim Ryan. Uh, you've heard he's the CEO of Flexera. It's a global, privately held, $400 million plus software company headquartered outside of Chicago. 
Jim has been with the company since 1998. And you heard some of these roles, Chief Operating Officer, SVP of Global Sales, Managing Director of EMEA, where he lived in the UK for seven years. In the five years, maybe it's been six years now since Jim has been CEO, Flexera has experienced dramatic revenue and EBITDA growth, led to ownership changes with private equity and completed over a dozen M&A transactions. He's been instrumental in growing the company's valuation by a factor of 15X plus more than to now nearly $3 billion. You'll have to let us know if there's any updates to those numbers. It's such aggressive growth. Uh, most importantly, the over 1,300 employees at Flexera have recognized the company as Inc. Magazine's 2020 Best Workplace. And Flexera has been named a top workplace by the Chicago Tribune for now 10 consecutive years. Jim has served as the operating advisor to the private equity firm, Toma Bravo, since 2014, specialized in the, specializing in the area of sales. Jim also sits on outside boards, leveraging his experience and track record of delivering results at Flexera. He's frequently asked to speak on business topics, including technology value optimization, private equity, M&A, sales strategy, leadership, and culture. Jim holds a BA from Marquette University, where he studied political science and French. Alors, nous pouvons parler le français, but we are going to speak English, and we're going to talk about leadership. Well, Thanks for being here, Jim. Thanks for having me, Amy. I appreciate it. Yeah. So... You were talking about the expectations of Flexera employees as there was the transition uh, from Mark to Jim in the CEO role. What there, so there's obviously changing perspectives of the employees, but what work did you need to do personally, Jim, being put into that position and then seeing the, the variety of reactions? from the workforce? Well, you, you, again, I, I, in, in my case, I felt like I needed to step back and, and really try to formulate a picture of success for, nice. for what, what I wanted the company to look like in five years time. Um, what I wanted to look like, not physically, but you know, what, what, <laughs> what, would, I, what would I be doing? And um, you know, I worked with an outside coach to, to really help me put clarity to that. Uh, you know, we talked about what would the investors be saying? What would I hear the investors say in a board meeting in five years time? What would the employees be saying? What would the analysts or the press, what would a variety of these different stakeholders be saying in five years time? And then I think once, once you get that picture of success, you're better able to step back and start to work on the things that, uh, you know, that you need to do, or in my case, I needed to do as an individual CEO to, to enact some changes to, to get to that picture of success. I'll tell you the, the place that I struggled, and I have no problem admitting that I struggled, and I would venture to say that uh, well over 90% of every individual struggles with this. You know, we, we used to I sometimes call it the, the little green person on your shoulder that's always whispering in your ear. Gremlin, you know, the imposter syndrome, which is, hey, 
you know, maybe you're not good enough. You know, it's only a matter of time before people that really figure out that you're ready for this. And, uh, you know, what I've learned over the years is, you know, we make up these insane rules that, uh, that, that aren't even rules to begin with. And, and I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, I was working with this individual and he said, Hey, Jim, so you've, you've been in the, you've been in the chair for three months. How's it going? No, it's going great. You know, I've had a couple board meetings and uh, you know, I'm really starting to get into the flow of things. And he said, well, tell you what, on a scale of one to 10, or you know, it was a zero to 100%. So okay. to 100%, Jim, like in terms of owning it, I mean, really rocking the role of the CEO, president and CEO, where are you? And I said, I'm at about a 70%. He said, well, what do you need to get to a hundred? Or even the 90? Wow, yeah. Well, you know, I need, you know, I feel like I need another six months. I feel like I need another six months, more board meetings under my belt. I feel like I need to do X, Y. I, I forget all the details at the time. But the point mm -hmm. was, I needed time. I needed more time to be a CEO, to feel like I was operating in 100% uh, capacity of being a CEO. Just to have the experiences. That's right. And he said, all right. He said, you know, when, when the board, when the board puts you into the role of CEO, do you think they said, Hey, you know what? Jim's going to, Jim's a great guy. You know, I think he's going to be 70% effective or own the rule by 70% for the first six to nine months of his tenure. Do, do you think that that's what the board wanted? Do you think that's what the board had in mind that you were only going to be 70 to some, you know, whatever percentage I said, well, of course not. And, and again, the, the point of the story is, you know, I had made up a complete BS rule that somehow I needed to marinate in the, in the role mm -hmm. six to 12 months. And it was only after six to 12 months that I could really be a bona fide CEO. Yeah. No rule out there. The board certainly didn't want me to do that, but I had, uh, you know, in my own mind, created an obstacle or made a rule. And I see this time, time and time again, I've seen it hundreds of times. There, there are no rules, right? Uh, there are really very few limitations. I think the limitations are always brought upon ourselves. And sometimes we just need to flick the gremlin or the little green person off of our shoulder and, and just go and own things. That's great. I, I love how you refer to them as these unwritten rules that we make up in our own minds. I, I mean, I too see it, my role as a consultant and, and coach, and I see leaders waiting waiting to have something, right? More experience under their belt, the next um, set of credentials, the next promotion, uh, they've got all their peers on board or the roadmap totally figured out. It's like, ah, it's, no, we, we can get in action right now, especially when we've taken the time to reflect and we've got that picture of what success looks like, right. that visualization, that bigger picture purpose that we're driving towards. Then we ask ourselves, okay, right? How do we get there? Right. And, and, and there it's step one is get it out of your head. <laughs> yeah. Get that picture for everybody else. Because when I say we are going to become a world-class SaaS oriented software company that is nimble and responsive to our customers and delivers high octane value to our investors. I know exactly what that picture is because I've gone through that exercise. I know exactly what I hear all these stakeholders say in five years time. 
Yeah. In case we got 1,300 employees, there's 1,300 different pictures of success. And when I say world class or high octane or, or this or that, yep. in my mind, but it's not necessarily clear in terms of uh, everybody else that's that's got to put together their own goals and objectives and action plans to go and make that a reality. So I think you know, step one after reflection and getting that picture best in your own mind, then it becomes you must, it is essential to then go and and articulate what that means. Tell people what they would be hearing. Tell people what you would expect. What would our meetings be like? What would the volume be? What would the passion and intensity look like? You know, we even got down at one point, what color would it be? What would it taste like? Because you can't be specific enough, right? When when things don't go well at Flexera, and you know that happens all the time, just like in every other company. When things don't go well, oftentimes you can trace it back to lack of clarity on yeah. what the was for sure. Yes, yes, clear expectations. It's one of the the biggest drivers of engagement of employees, right? We were referencing earlier, Jim, uh, Marshall Goldsmith's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. What have you had to let go of as you have worked your way up or through your career? However you think about that? Just very, very many, you know, so many things uh, in no particular order, just riffing off at the top of my head. Uh, Time management, my my, my time, I don't, I don't run my own schedule or calendar anymore my my life is one big venn diagram of personal and professional activities and uh it takes a village to to manage my schedule uh, there's a lot of demands globally there's a lot of demands in the business with all of the different functions i have stakeholders uh investors that want to talk to me i have stakeholders in our customers that want to talk to me employees and then I have a great family that I also want to you know, be a great husband and a father and a son and a brother too as well. And something's got to give. And uh, you have to just, you know, I found that leveraging uh, my executive assistant and some of the team that I work with has been essential to trying to get a, get a team of people that help me be the most effective or efficient as I can with my time, for sure. That was one thing. Yeah. I, uh, I, like most people, am action-oriented and a problem solver. And when I hear a problem, my, without a doubt, my tendency to this day is to try and solve and to try and throw myself into that. And that, that's no longer really my job as a CEO. Mm-hmm. I don't, not that I don't do problems or don't get involved, but uh, I have a whole team of people, senior leaders that are very experienced and more experienced than I am in running their functions in many cases. And uh, as well-intentioned as I might be, sometimes my being overzealous to try and solve problems actually thrashes the organization a little bit more. Uh, that's, that's great awareness. I know so many leaders that would love for their senior leaders to have that awareness. Not that I'm thrash free, but it, it's hard. I, I, I think now, listen, at, at the end of the day, everybody works for a CEO, but prior to becoming a CEO, one of the single biggest skill sets by far that uh, that we see at Flexair and have seen for decades now that 
prevents people from making it to the next level or actually helps them break through is the ability to get people that do not work for you directly to do something. It's called work in the matrix, work in the organization. People erroneously think that the day you step into a leadership role when you have whatever title you've got, that somehow you're given an imaginary crown and you're a king or a queen and you issue edicts and everybody just follows. That, that doesn't happen. It never happens like that. And, um, you know, you may be responsible for something, but you don't always control everything. And you, you have to you have to figure out how to form alliances and build professional friendships and really understand the subtle art and skill set of mobilizing a variety of people that you can't just fire if you don't like them. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. But you've got you've to figure out how to tap in mm-hmm. to what, what they've got going on to go and solve big problems. And the people that have continued to grab more responsibility at at Flexera at least, are the ones that have mastered that skill. It, it, it's by far one of the hardest, if not the hardest skill set that we see people struggle with as they try to get into a leadership position, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I like how you call that out, form alliances and work the matrix. I was talking to a leader not too long ago, and he actually did a, he, he stepped into a people leadership role and Jim was immediately finding ways to engage and empower the team members. And I was, is this innate to you? He had had the experience of run, running projects where he needed to influence people across the organization. And he had learned how to form the alliances when you, you know, quote unquote, don't have the formal authority. But like you say, it's not like you put this crown on and you've got this formal authority anyways. Yeah, but he had learned how to authentically in a meaningful way, get people involved and engaged with the work and with him and with the vision. Absolutely. And some of the very best people at doing this are project managers or people that have a, like a, a PMO for project yeah. management. And, you know, there's, there's Six Sigma black belts and people that are, are schooled in this and they, they understand that and they understand the, the way in which you use metrics and goals and accountability and deadlines and, and reports and dashboards to change human behavior and, and get people to act in unison to go and tackle a common problem. But it's a, it's a subtle skill set. Uh, a lot of people struggle with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think, you know, in, at least at Flexera, in my experience, I think it's one of the biggest impediments that uh, prevent people from getting to where they want, ultimately want to get to from a leadership perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you get others involved in doing the work, right? And not being that, that, that person who's trying to solve all the problems yourself right. or making the edicts and expecting others to, to, to jump in. Yeah, how do you, how do you influence one of the things you said, Jim, when I interviewed you for the Courage of a Leader book, I said, what advice would you give to emerging leaders? And you said, I would give to all, I would give this advice to all leaders. Ask for advice and counsel. Can you say more about why that would be the first piece of advice you'd give? Nobody can do it alone. <laughs> Nobody. There's not a one person on planet Earth. That, that can accomplish anything that, that's even remotely great uh, by themselves. Yeah. 
nobody is expected and nobody can know everything. And um, there are so many people out in our professional and our personal lives that have experience and have perspective and are in a position to give you guidance and inputs and advice and counsel for a variety of things, whether it's a one-off problem or a multi-year journey uh, on becoming a CEO. And yet, for whatever reason, people view it as a sign of weakness. Yeah. People or people view, well, geez, that, that person's got such a big job and a big title. He or she must be too busy for somebody like me. Again, little gremlin on your shoulder. Why, you know, why in the world would somebody want to take time to help me? But I, I, I really believe that the advice I was given back in, I think it was 95, um, 1998, 99, generally, I think most most people like to help others and uh, simply asking for your advice and counsel demonstrates that, that you, you really are looking for genuine help. You're not looking to, to have an angle to exploit them or sell them at the end of the day. And I've just found that regardless of how busy one is, regardless of one's stature or job or scale of the job, to this day, I still use it. Uh, nice. I, I go out, can I have your advice and counsel? And, and the way I typically arrive at that is, you know, like, like us all, there's always a variety of different problems on my desk. And, and some of those problems I've never seen before, or some of them just seem really complicated. I don't even know where to start. But one of the places to start is, you know, who in my network, or even if they're not in my network, who has probably seen this one or many times and yeah, if I could just get 15 minutes with them, could they help me yeah. off a LinkedIn request or an email? Could I like your advice and counsel on the following subject? And at least nine times out of 10, if not something yeah. higher, you'll, you'll get people that will be more than happy to help you. It's free consulting. And it's one, one really powerful weapon that I've used effectively over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to imagine it also helps form alliances. That's right. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, your leader inside of a matrixed organization, if you genuinely, authentically are asking for some advice or some counsel, like, right, what's your perspective from another area of the organization looking at, at this? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tapping well, into people's expertise. Right. Most of the problems any of us are facing, they've, they've been faced before. There have been people that have confronted them. There are some people that have solved them and been wildly successful in doing that. Why not try to find those individuals and just um, just figure it out? And even if it's not a, a, a specific, well-defined problem, the technique and the tool works the same if you're just looking for career advice. So, so if you're an entry-level first year out of college, finding your way in a new role or you're a 25 plus year veteran that is, uh, you know, out and about and wanting to get some breakthrough results, look for people that you admire, look for people that are doing the job that you aspire to do and ask for their advice and counsel. Um, most people will be more than happy to spend time with you. Yeah. Yes. I have found that to be true as well. Jim, there's a lot of great stuff that you've shared with us today. I love the, hey, you're, you're taking on that next layer of responsibility. Reflect, visualize. What does that picture of success look like? 
maybe you're asking for advice and counsel in that moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And being cognizant of, hey, you know, we're we're moving to that next picture of success. What do we need to let go of to get there? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And who do we need to um, empower and get on board? And uh, we have to articulate where we're headed. That's right. Really great stuff, Jim. Thank you so much for your time today. And congratulations on all the success uh, with Flexera. Thanks, Tammy. I appreciate you having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Courage of a Leader podcast. If you'd like to further explore this episode's topic, please reach out to me through the Courage of a Leader website at www.courageofaleader.com. I'd love to hear from you. Please take the time to leave a review on iTunes. That helps us expand our reach and get more people fully stepping into their leadership potential. Until next time, be bold and be brave because you've got the courage of a leader.